the space cave i believe depending on when you're listening to this this is the final show of 2018 this was recorded a little bit in the past so if any unspeakable events and atrocities and things have happened which there's a good chance they did i hope um hope you're dealing with that okay and if they have not well let's be appreciative for that and hope that 2019 goes better here is uh, part two with Tim Furlong and more of this delicious Nanticoke Nectar IPA from Baltimore, uh, courtesy of Andy Crest. Thanks again for the beer. If you want to uh, send some beer, donate some beer to the show, the website is the best way to do that. And or if you want to send it directly, send an email to pings at thespacecave.com. We'll get you a shipping address. Okay, here's part two with Tim. So we are sticking with the Nanticoke Nectar, one, because it's high in alcohol, and two, we we didn't get through ours in the first (laughs) episode chatting, so there's some left to still continue on. The talking point that we left off on the last episode chatting about, they were, maybe I shouldn't get right into this, but I did sort of briefly touch on your work in true crime, and, and you were kind of leaving off on contrition and you know, an ability to recognize, uh, faults or mistakes, et cetera. I, I, so if, if, if people die and we've just, uh, we've established these cultural things that we say, that's normal, just go bury them under the earth or burn them to dust. And we'll go, yeah, okay. But if we had other cultural things, those two things would seem so outrageously atypical where we'd go, you're doing What? You're supposed to stuff them. You're supposed to have them in your house like wax figures. Who knows? Any number of things that... Sky burial. Sky burial, cool, like atomize them. Any number of things. Burning Viking ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. send them out. The the fact that we've like... Have you seen this thing where people uh, get staged doing their favorite activity? No, but I love that. So, yeah, there's this guy... Uh, you know, I don't know where it was. It was it was pro- within an African American community in the United States, but guy tragically dies. I don't remember how. All I remember is he's embalmed uh, in his and like in jeans, his high tops. He's got his glasses on, his chains, his hat, and his like PlayStation. He's like, <laughs> and that's that's Why like the, that's yeah. the viewing. He's sitting on a chair, yeah, and he's playing vids. I love it, and that's like. That's the way we want to remember him, and I like. I, I it's it's shocking because it's it's like so normal, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't have any of the solemnness uh, about all of the culture cultural kind of norms that were fed. Yeah, uh, which is what I like about African Americans. They say fuck that's, it. That's they say fuck like. it to <laughs> other culture. Not all of them, but a few. Uh-huh. Uh, but this particular thing. So, yeah, I mean, 
I love it. Yeah. You think outside the box. It's so strange to just go, well, here are the two options, basically. What can you, f- I mean, I guess there are a lot of uh, pathogens. You can't go just throw someone out in the dirt, mm-hmm. bury them. Like, yeah, they just wanted the bugs to eat them. They just yeah. want to literally be naked and just laying out in a field. I guess we, they bloat and smell and you can't mm-hmm. do all that. But No, and that's why. It's because, and, and that's why we have all these things, because the, the process of, you know, decomposition is so ghastly, and and I think it's it could be dangerous health wise. You know, like if there's rotting corpses around. Like you have to do something. You have mm-hmm. to do something to sanctify all of this. Yeah. So you have to take what is inherently terrible and completely biological and give it some kind of greater meaning, um, whatever it may be. So here's my thing that I'm going to state that I am impartial to this. I think just looking at things, sometimes you have to offer up, um, oh, here's a thought that I stumbled on. I am not in any way attached to it. I just think it's something weird to chew on and then figure out who we are as a species in that we ideally want everyone to have contrition if they've committed a crime to rehabilitate in a way that they can potentially be introduced back into society as a contributing, compassionate, productive member, someone you could count on, ideally someone with integrity, someone that you could, after their life, go, yeah, they messed up, but boy, they really dedicated a lot of time to helping those less fortunate, and they volunteered, and they were such a pillar of the community, and they, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even if they don't do that, even if they still continue to be kind of a pile of shit, but nothing too crazy, nothing, you know beyond like eh, just shy of a misdemeanor you're like all right all right you jaywalk all the time mm. and you litter and you're you just you park like a jerk i'm bummed we let you out but none of these things are <laughs> violations worthy of sending you back in but if that's what we want is someone to be uh i guess rehabilitated when we look at someone like the golden state killer or btk serial killers atrocious crimes I'm on this side. I want them to suffer. Mm-hmm. I want them to be publicly and violently sort of punished for their mm-hmm. behavior. I feel like old, old, beyond what, now we're so compassionate because we, oh, they're a human and it's their genetics, it's this or that. But when someone gets on the phone or hides in a house and premeditatively commits these crimes with plenty of time to leave the house or shake it off and go, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when they're on the phone going, I'm going to do this to you. Like, all right, now now you're the worst person. And then following through with that crime. But the thought is this. They commit these crimes for a number of years. And then, by all accounts, for like 35 years, they are what we want them to be, having served a prison sentence. So we're punishing them, kind of like, yeah, yeah, you got to where we wanted you to get, but you didn't, you didn't go in there and get beaten up and heckled and sleep on a shitty bed and have bad food and have people keeping you up all night yelling. That's what I want. I want you to have that. And I, I think that's an interesting kind of phenomenon that they, for 30 years potentially after their crimes, would have been like a citizen that you wouldn't, you wouldn't say they deserve to be in jail. Again, I'm on the side of like, I want them to be, I don't know what's violent enough. Are you saying that the justice that we meet out is not significant enough for the people who commit the most... 
atrocious crimes that you think, that you that you would like to torture them is that what you're saying it doesn't it's, sound like it's, i think it's, it's two it's, sides <laughs> of a scale i think i think it are in our so the better angels of our nature would say we want to understand them and their plight was mm-hmm. their religion brought in and their mother was hard on them and they had they were laughed at and bullied and they took out this anger mm-hmm. against women because they kind of personified their mother in some weird way a lot of serial killers obviously have things mm-hmm. like that and we go but is there compassion or understanding for that which at our best we want to say like we want to understand everyone and know why they did it and feel compassion for them and rehabilitate them and show them love okay well, what's the best case that could come out of that well we want them to be a contributing member of society mm-hmm. who's kind and polite and da 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 so then when they get to that point I think the other side of our angels, our bad angels, the one that I feel like this is rational, like that person is such a piece of garbage that even even if they're 85 years old, like with Cosby, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this doesn't do a whole lot. You've had a great life. We can't mm-hmm. take away how great your life has been. Mm-hmm. And you loved all the raping. You loved the sitcom. <laughs> you loved all the money you made. And you loved the raping. You got to do all the stuff you love. And now for the last five years of it, while you're blind, we're going to put you in a pen. You don't even know you're in there because you're blind. You mm-hmm. can only just hear that it sucks. Um, I, I think... I, again, that, to me, it's just like a little chew-onable thing. I think like, you're suggesting we somehow biologically or genetically recreate Bill Cosby to live another <laughs> life so yeah. that he can suffer. The cloned for, bad life. <laughs> the cloned bad life. Yes. I think that's what you're suggesting. Something like that has to happen. Yes. Or, or going into science fiction stuff that you touched on a little bit last time implanting into their brain just really getting into those neurons that are, that are they have a long deep memories so even when you're sitting in there with those final five years you're chewing on boy it was great to get married I, I love my wife and I love and now those memories are replaced by like you just having your ankles eaten by piranhas or something <laughs> and you, you don't even get to have your memories anymore that would well, be worth it to me I think you're on to something there in terms of uh, memory replacement mm-hmm. you have to Yes. You have to fess up to your, or you have to, somehow you, your, your best memories are coerced out of you and um, they're replaced by, yeah, nightmare <laughs> versions. Yeah, just. Because that, that's yeah. what it takes. When, when there's this collective feeling I think we have, like, they caught him. He's 78. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Damn it. He did all these crimes and he's 40. Yeah. And then, or from 28 to 40, the 12-year run of just bliss for a psychopath and then 30 years of like, I got away with it. And then, you know, now we're going to take him and well, now we'll show you, old man. I hate it. I feel like we should be able to, I think some people maybe, and are these the better nature, better angel people that would go, just let them stay out. They've proven for 20 years that they're not a harm or a threat anymore. If you're a victim or someone like me that's just affiliated or sympathetic, you couldn't live with that. You'd go, what are you talking? No, don't leave them out. Put them in there. Then the counter argument would be like, to what? Like they they did it. I if we could come up with the serum to give them bad memories, <laughs> that's the only way. <laughs> the only way. Let's yeah, keep them alive. Keep them on. Don't let them die. <laughs> yeah. Just keep them alive. Yeah. Keep them alive until they're like yeah, until they're until they're they're like. You know, skin is like deteriorating. Yeah, like whatever it is, <laughs> artificial respirator mm-hmm. until they're ninety nine. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they only are allowed to 
to die when like they have a serum in them that's pure truth and like monitoring all their brain yeah. activity and they utter please kill me yeah. and it registers on a scale where like oh this is the highest it can get because yeah. of course they'd be saying that early on please kill me like yeah you're just saying it it's gonna get a lot worse for mm-hmm. you something like that would be worthwhile but then why why are those our bad angels where we want that level of like you did these awful crimes you don't think cosby is suffering right now wherever he's at I mean, it's great that his memory is forever tarnished. His legacy is non-existent. He got all those awards taken away from him, et cetera. His, his public sort of persona is just non-existent. So I think there's some suffering there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that eats at him a little bit. But I don't know. I don't think it's enough. I, I just don't think that it's... I think he could always go like... He could be on his death... Like in a year from now, he'd go, I'm dying. And just so you know, this last year didn't mean shit i still had a great life peace and well just... let me ask you this question he caused terrible trauma to you know scores of women mm-hmm. and he also provided an amazing image to african-americans a professional image to a generation mm-hmm. or two of african-americans and I haven't actually ever heard, uh, I haven't heard black people really talk honestly about this. I feel like they feel so embarrassed and shameful about it. But I want, I want, I want somebody, I want somebody. I don't know if it's Dave Chappelle or somebody. So get, one of Chappelle's specials, he went into it at length. Is this the one about raping and... Uh, he only rapes. Yeah, okay. He, yeah, he that's rapes the one. more than he, he saves more than he rapes. He saves more than he rapes. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's the one, that's the one I was thinking of. Uh-huh. I mean, do you think he was talking about, was he talking about Bill oh, Cosby he, at that moment? At the end, he brings up like Bill Cosby and that's okay. like the closing line is, but he because he talks about like, there was a rumor that... The microphone, the PA system that MLK was using, I don't know if it was in Selma or like on the steps of uh, maybe in Philadelphia or New York, that there was a rumor that that was on loan from Bill Cosby. That's Mm -hmm. how long he had been a public figure and how critical he was to like civil rights. And like you say, like his... His image until not so long ago was one that, and he, and that was his thing in the black community that a lot of comics would talk about. They'd be like, shut up, old man. Let us sag our pants. Stop telling us about, you know. Right. The Eddie Murphy, right. When Eddie Murphy made fun of that. So yes, you are right, actually. Now that that, maybe I've missed the Bill Cosby reference, but that's exactly it. I, yeah. I mean, I, shades of gray, you know, shades (laughs) of gray on Bill Cosby. It's like. Can you have. I mean, could you, what, what are the stipulations for having a productive life? Do one good thing and that's it and no bad things or a thousand good things and 500 bad things? Who are we to judge? But I feel like one bad thing and a thousand good things, most people be like, well, how bad is this bad thing? Like, it's real bad. Like, yeah. well, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's everybody's uh, question to answer for themselves. Um Mm-hmm. Hopefully we all succeed. I just, uh, we just listened to the uh, Gladiator podcast about Aaron Hernandez, which mm-hmm. for so long, he was such like a ubiquitous figure and then just disappeared. And then, so to listen to the kind of the recap of it, it was not that dissimilar to OJ. So another sort of true crime thing that just sort of wouldn't go away. I got so into the, cause I, I was alive during the OJ trial and the verdict. And I remember this kid that was, we listened to the, or watched it, the, I was in stage crew, only like 20 of us in the class. 
the teacher that day is like, we're not building anything for the stage. <laughs> he wheeled in one of those AV carts with the TV on it. And we watched the verdict live. Mm. This dude showed up and we had a pretty diverse group in that in the room but there was this latino guy he might have been pacific islander but i think he was a latino guy came in he was there like three days the whole semester but he happened to be there on this day he shows up i remember he had like one of those long white t-shirts that went almost to his knees remember those were popular and like baggy pants and he comes in and he sits down doesn't say anything the verdict happens he just stands up yes yes and walks out of the room and we never saw him again (laughs) so that 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 verdict is very like seared into my brain and then i forgot about it and even when like the podcast came out in the the espn documentary series and then the uh the fx show i was like i don't want to relive that and then of course i did go through all of it and like it's so fascinating and then i even read faye resnick's book and that was fascinating. She wrote it with, who I think is now the guy, David, what's his name, from the National Enquirer mm-hmm. that flipped on Trump. So a lot of weird tangential things there that are kind of touching. But um, it was just interesting to go through it and like connect all these pieces. And I think there's something in a human brain where you just kind of, we just want to know. With Aaron Hernandez, it was kind of the same way. CTE factors in. But then people are saying, well, how much blame does that really get is it you know he was doing a lot of stuff prior to can you blame it all on that so i have so many questions like one how you got into this what's your background two like what makes it juicy are you starting to understand more and more like the um psychology of humanity like why people like to nibble on these sorts of things um yeah i i think that there is nothing there's no stakes there are no stakes bigger for any individual human being than stakes of life and death, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, I think that people are naturally, I mean, we're programmed to try to learn about how to stay alive and not die. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think going back to, you know, they've been memorialized um, murder ballads, you know, all, you know, all the way back. I think, Different stories, but I think you're talking a little bit more about the phenomenon of true crime and why people seem to be interested in that in this moment. Like, what's the cultural, what's yeah, the moment there? Our, our, our ability nowadays to pretty effectively go through 911 calls, tapped into cell phone calls, recorded calls, surveillance video, interviews with people, and really give... So before we were talking about funerals and things like that and i don't think it's that far off maybe in the future where you take people take so many videos of themselves and photographs that you could go up flat screen sort of things that look like picture frames that are on a static image like oh that's them at the grand canyon Mm -hmm. but you go up and you put your thumb in the lower right corner and their whole life flashes by and then you move your thumb and it it either goes back to the first one or stops on the one you were at and you could swipe left or right or just go through that rapid fire like so mosques and mausole- you know, like thing- mausoleums would have a very different feel mm-hmm. if you were going tomb to tomb and just yeah. doing the thumbprint. Like, I just saw their whole life. I just mm. saw their whole life. And I think true crime, we're starting to kind of, everyone is just sort of, um, what's the right, an anonymous figure in mm-hmm. everyone else's life. They're just going along. And that's what's so fascinating to people that are in that community. Boy, he was just right here the whole time. Yeah. And now we get a chance to like, what if I could show you a pretty accurate glimpse of like that person, a rough sketch of their life? And everyone goes, yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's 
perfectly apt. I think that's, I think that's spot on. I think that, you know, everybody, when something like this happens in a community, I'm sure it happened, you know, terrible stories when you're growing up, like, Oh my God, really? Like what? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a natural, a natural desire to know. Um, and why is it big in this moment? I, I don't know, honestly, I, I've, I've thought about it. I think that, I think that it's less about crime and more about, I think the means of production. I think that it's so much easier now to show a person's life, as you said, because they have, they have so many pictures. They have, they have videos of themselves. Um, they're surveillance videos. We can, we can, you can really get in close on these stories now, whereas before you would have had to reproduce all of that. And it keeps you at arm's length, but what, you know, what, what we're being told and what the network keeps telling us is that um, the more real elements, no matter how crappy the footage, um, the better it is. Mm-hmm. And and it is it is something when you're like looking at this footage, and you're like, oh my god, this person fucking killed somebody. <laughs> like you like you're you feel like you're confronting uh, a lethal force, which you are in a way indirectly, mm-hmm. and you naturally want to like, what is going on in there? I, just like you were saying before, um, we feel like we want to get to know like how this happened so that, I don't know, particularly women. So maybe they can avoid it. Um, or how certain relationships can turn sour. But I think it's, I think it's more a function. I think the interest has always been there, but I think the, the technological capabilities are now that, are such that it feels more immediate. And I think that that's, I think that's what people are drawn to in it's relatable. Most of the time relatable, um, easily, uh, you know, in the basic relationships that everybody has. And yeah, we, we, we know what the stakes are. We know that it's going to end badly. (laughs) (laughs) And that we can be kind of glib about it, that we can like, they are everyone's that was alive prior to this happening. This is just like you and I, you know, like that's, what's so weird about it is like, it's such an intimate thing. It's such a like traumatizing for, for sure. The family, the community around it, and yet I can imagine there's probably some feeling of closure by having it sort of here. Here's a documentary of how it all transpired. Yeah. in in the best scenarios, yes, they, you know, everybody has to tell a story about why something happens, um, whether it's in a TV show or in their own minds. And that's always the, and that's the big thing about, about these stories is you have to present a sympathetic victim and that's why they're also hard to do and hard to find. Um, it's amazing how quickly, um, people can become judgmental. If for example, uh, a woman, for example, is beaten by her husband and, but she stays with him because she has kids. Uh, it's easy to say, well, she she'd already been beaten by him by three times and he you know had called the cops five times and mm-hmm. she still stuck around like what what's the deal mm-hmm. like 
tragically, tragically, I would say 90% of the cases out there are fall under those instances where um, it's easy to dismiss the victim. And so you, uh, you as the consumer, when you're watching true crime, are actually seeing the cherry-picked few episodes in which the research team have been able to find a truly amazing story where a person is productive and going along and doing their going about their life and is has a tragic intersection with a terrible person and um and so f- it's sad in a way it's sad in a way that our you know we believe that you know we're compassionate people we're um, kinder than we are, but we're also we're also much more judgmental than we want to let on. And um, again, this is why the Democratic Party. It's like, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's for me. It's I often want like, oh man, like that girl. Like she was just trying to keep her family together, and the guy killed her. I'm like, and we're gonna call we're calling her unsympathetic. To me, that's to me that feels cruel. But that's that's the calculus that gets. Would you, uh, can I tell you something from Faye Resnick's yeah, book? Yeah. Who I everyone dismissed her because they were like, "Oh, she's just kind of this." She's I feel like a brilliant person. And then the book again, written by someone from the National Enquirer. But you get a sense. And before you judge me, read the book. It's one of those things where I think people in their own prejudices would be like, "She was all coked up," and she. But she's very open in the book about that. Of like, I was so stressed out, I started doing drugs again, and I was in rehab when the crime happened. Nicole was one of the last people to see me, drop me off there. Um, she hadn't told anybody and then at one point was like well OJ's been beating me not you know a lot we've had the cops call a bunch exactly like you're saying all these things were like it always leads to death it's always well you had the cops called so many times it just ramps up and ramps up but they were successfully separated and weirdly when he had a new girlfriend um, Nicole kind of watched how he behaved with her and she initiated this sort of get back together during this summer that was like uh, you know, I want, I want to try it again. I, I want my family. I want my kids to have their dad around. And he went back to hitting her again. And she's like, all right, we're done. So they, not amicably, but they were separated. And then he sort of gave her an ultimatum that was like, if I see you with another man, I'm going to kill you. You know that I leave for New York in August. This gives you X amount of months, like four months. So for the next four months, just basically be celibate and we'll be good. So Faye kind of tells this, like, this is the craziest thing. That was how we were operating. And and she and I knew it. And they didn't, you know, the cops were kind of buddies with him and stuff like that. But um, that's how the Faye Resnick version of it. But it, anytime I see one of these true crime things where, and that's such a common thing where uh, the woman, like the Reuben Foster story, did you follow that at all? No, I didn't. 49ers player. So he... Arrested for domestic violence, um, the account was that you know he had dragged her down the stairs by her hair and th- broken her phone and thrown her out of the house mm-hmm. and slapped her and punched her a bunch of times. And then later she recanted it and said, like, it was actually, I got in a fight with another woman. Um, so then they go to a pretrial hearing to decide whether or not they're actually going to like proceed to trial. And she gives a testimony and says, he didn't hit me. I made that up. It was another woman I was fighting. I love him. Then fast forward to you know a few weeks ago depending on when you're listening to this uh he's at the team hotel and that woman is there and he's arrested again for slapping her around again 
which you just feel like a myriad of thoughts of like, how, how does this happen? You assume, and this seems maybe too futuristic, but I would think anytime the cops are called and there's enough evidence, like some violence happened here. There should be, and maybe this is a game where you're mad at Democrats for like, <laughs> we trust people. Maybe we should just instill like, because the country's so much like, you get your freedoms. Maybe in that situation, neither person deserves them, and you get drones that just follow you around everywhere. <laughs> Stay away from each other. You got those drones that just are going to just track you around, yeah. and and no one's going to die. Mm. You just move on. You're embarrassed you got the drone? Okay, move mm. to a different city. Just move somewhere else. And the moment you step over, boop, drone shows up. <laughs> I think we'd save lives, but then we're, our freedoms are getting infringed upon. But it just was so bizarre to me that she had been abused, clearly. And people knew about it. The team knew about it. And that she was still in his orbit, that she was still around. That you would think someone, whether it's just a private investigator or someone would be like, hey, stay away from each other. Get out of there. <laughs> the You know, you were talking a little bit about why people do the things the way they do, why um, people get can't or can get rehabilitated. And, you know, specifically with men, I find that, you know, we pay lip service to a lot of qualities, but uh, admirable qualities like, you know, compassion and kindness and and I think a lot of men feel really powerless about their existence and about their prospects and uh, about the control they have. And I think that those uh, cultural values that they have inherited um, and also the experiences um, that they have kind of pushed those through create a situation in which yeah, uh, a volatile situation. And I think that you know, kind of going back to your earlier point about you know, a lot of people, a lot of men feel the need to to be a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. And when they can't be that type of person um, or they aren't – whatever there's a laundry list aren't given the type of respect they want they aren't uh they aren't uh, given the power they want they aren't um they aren't they don't have the control over their own situation they have too many they're failing at their situation they're they're there's a perception of weakness about their situation all of a sudden the friggin wires cross Mm -hmm. and um you know violence ensues and i think that you know, I think that, yeah, I just think that men, men feel like they, men feel that, men inherit that, and men act on that in very poor ways. <laughs> um, yeah, that's and, an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, to kind of bring this all back around, it's, you know, I don't know what to, like, I don't know, the, the, the problems are so immense, Um you know, what I've learned working with law enforcement is that, um, like the last thing they, there's like no way to keep people uh, apart. And like, until somebody like truly breaks a law badly, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, there's really nothing they can do, you know? So it's just <clears throat> the cyclical element of domestic violence and how, you know, people, 
find themselves in it and through a variety of, you know, I, I don't know nearly enough about it, but like sometimes it's, I, you know, my, my dad never hit my mom and yet I'm with a violent man and or, oh yeah, like my dad hit my mom and me and you know, lo and behold, my, my guy hits me and I don't know how to get out of it or that kind of thing. But huh, the, the, I feel like everyone's so down on men these days for a variety of reasons and rightfully so in a lot of ways. But I feel like we should be much more angry at testosterone. It just feels like we're this, these sacks of chemicals and some have different chemicals and some have, you know, oh, you have chest hair and this. And that. <laughs> you're, you're this sort of collection of chemicals and others have estrogen and you're this type of chemicals. And boy, the the combination is just so volatile in the one with a lot of testosterone. It's It's volatile and yet, and yet, we we naturally sort into hierarchies and whatever hierarchy you're in i'm sure whoever's above you there's been behavior you've observed that you believe to be atrocious Mm -hmm. i mean that's certainly been my experience (laughs) uh whatever that whatever pressure that person's feeling or whatever however they feel like they need to act out in order to kind of assert their authority mm-hmm. um, it's our our ideals of kind of the ideal kind of masculine qualities often conflict with the real world hierarchies in which people are placed and the psychological dispositions in which people find uh, find themselves confronted with in moments of stress and for me, for me, it's like, I feel like we have to acknowledge the fact that, oh, you know, you're up the food chain, like men who are a little bit higher on the food chain are going to be a little bit more attractive to women. Like, that's just the way it goes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, these are realities of life. Anybody who's gone through middle school knows this, yeah. but I feel like sometimes I feel like we kind of like, I feel like we want to pretend like it's not it's not really like that it's about who you are as a person you know Mm -hmm. it's like yes it's like it's 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 some of that but it's some (laughs) of this other thing too yeah um you know i guess it really depends on who you end up with i mean i again there's there are degrees all within there but i think that yeah i think that hierarchies reinforce certain types of behaviors i think that Oftentimes, I think successful people are the least flexible, least malleable with their terrible qualities. You yeah. Know? They, their success reinforces their awfulness. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, there are, was, you know, a myriad of permutations <clears throat> on this theme. I was uh, reading this thing recently where Kobe Bryant has been going around speaking to teams like before games and stuff or, you know, off season things, just kind of motivating them, encouraging them and NBA teams or just uh, regular teams. Ra- yeah. College football teams, NFL okay. teams, NBA teams, kind of whoever. And it's always the same, you know, it's like Mamba sort of killer mentality, like just never, ever stop. And, and if you've read the deposition of what happened in Eagle, Colorado, <laughs> he assaulted a woman mm-hmm. violently. And, uh, and, you know, there, there's, I'm sure, again, some gray area there as to, like, it started off potentially kind of consensual and de- definitively did not 
res- end up that way. You read the deposition? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I typically do that. Ben Roethlisberger is a rapist. Mm-hmm. All of his story, even Stormy Daniels recently talked about uh, an interaction with him that scared her. And the tell, like he has a go-to move in all of the cases, which is the woman goes, I, I think, and turns to grab the door. And he, at 6'5 and like 250 pounds, just puts his hand up on the door. Sort of this like ominous, you're not going anywhere. Hmm. And so the, the smoking gun, I just like to read just what happened, you know. And the the one in Georgia where Roethlisberger um, was accused of raping a woman, her friend immediately went to the cops and she wrote down the whole thing. Her friend's all drunk, like, hey, he raped me. And she goes, all right, tell me what happened. Writes down the whole thing. Some good old boy Georgia cops seem to lose a lot of stuff and recordings and things, but... So there's so many things women have to deal with outside of the physical assaulting. But I think going back to what you're saying of men in the way that we are measuring ourselves, you know, Bill Gates in the Serengeti is not the most powerful lion. And yet in the landscape of humanity, people are like, that guy's no one to mess with. Yeah. <laughs> He's 5'9", 140 pounds, glasses, <laughs> never lifted a weight in his life. Look out. He <laughs> can ruin your life. And so we have all these different, and I think everyone's holding on to something. Even if yeah. you're like, okay, I don't have the most money. I'm not the most attractive. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the smartest, but I'm pretty good at this video game. <laughs> <laughs> you can always just have yeah. something. Come play me at this. Yeah. And Kobe was talking about <clears throat> never losing it. We're playing a board game. We're playing this. We're playing this. Because I'm going to win. And I thought like, you know, I have this little thing where maybe comparatively with time put in, I'm better at doing comedy or something like that. And then if he were to come challenge me, like, I want to show I'd be like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm not a winner. Mm-hmm. And then to say that it just sounds so defeatist. Like the, the converse, like, oh, so you're saying you're a loser? Like, no, but I don't think my worth has to be defined by beating you at anything and or everything. Yeah. You can trounce me and whatever. You can pummel me into the ground. You can show me your bank account. I still feel like I'm a human that has value. And that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And it, I think if more men had that, it might alleviate some of that like we're gonna show them i 100 percent agree i i think that type of attitude or that type of belief system is very hard to hold on to it as you go through the years um but some people it, you know really it, it also really just depends on what game you're in it's like i know that i, I remember reading an article about I don't know if you remember when we were, when I was a little kid, um, Air Jordans came mm-hmm. out. Oh, yeah. I used to draw them. I oh, loved yeah. them. Oh, yeah. And but you I, remember when kids were getting shot over Air Jordans? Yeah. And, and he did nothing. Well, right. And so, and I always, always I was like, man, they got shot over their shoes. And then I read a, a an article, a sociological article about everybody chooses a game within their social group. And you opt out of games that you have no chance at. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on what game you're opting in on. And so when you opt in on the comedy game, you're opting out of the professional basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, the kids in wherever it was, I don't know if it was in Compton or, you know, or Bed-Stuy or whatever, when they're opting in on the Air Jordan game and they're opting out of the investment banking game. It's like there are there are different symbols of status in whatever game you're going for. There, there's a different brass ring for whatever mm-hmm. game it is, whether it's the Montreal Comedy Fest or whatever it is. Yeah. And 
Yeah, you know, and I think that I think that everybody, if there's honest, if they're honest with themselves, they have their own game, and it's like, but. I think it takes a truly remarkable and successful person to say they never want to lose at anything. I mean, I think that there are, you know, Kobe Bryant and maybe who else, like one other person on the planet can say something like that and actually be believable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some people that like that alpha mentality yeah. where some people hold on to like, but I was valedictorian and that person like, I'll beat you at chess. <laughs> that's, I'm holding on to that. <laughs> that's my thing. I speak languages. I do too. Ah! <laughs> I always think about that from like the Royals where we look at them as like these soft posh, like you can't do. And then you go to fight them. Like father taught me pugilism. <laughs> Just wallop you. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, getting beaten by somebody uh, you have no respect for, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you're using uh, the southpaw technique, whereas I am like, <laughs> analyzing and beating you. Ah, like, oh, me and my life, rubbing like mud out of your eyes. <laughs> Everything's been like this. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess so. Aaron Hernandez was. Uh, <clears throat> He talked about the freedom of that, like the mm. game he chose. He was sort of forced into football by his father and, and the success that came with it. But then he was like, you know, on the streets, that's when I really felt free. And uh, and it was so weird. Like, but that you were out like drive-by shooting and killing people, and buying illegal guns. And But I think he just liked the idea, like, I don't have to think. I'm just out here doing, I'm wheeling, I'm making it happen. And what a weird game to choose. At, like, I'm good at this one. Like, I've gotten away with murder a handful of times, and I have a of a mass like um an arsenal and a bunch of money and et cetera et cetera so the the game that that people play so i, I mean you you said the operative word to to me he, he got forced he got forced into football mm-hmm. was he from a rough neighborhood i don't know was yeah he? Well, i mean bristol connecticut which i don't associate as being tough but evidently it's like pretty rough really? parts of it yeah okay um I read an interesting article, uh, an interesting book. Have you heard uh, The Short Tragic Life of Robert Peace? Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Uh, brilliant kid, grew up in a rough part of Newark, um, got a full scholarship to Yale, and um, went back to Newark uh, afterwards and had done some kind of graduate work in biology and was considering a PhD. He kind of went back to teach for a year or two at his high school afterwards and um then you know kind of a year turns into two years turns into three years he's he tries to buy a house and rehab it that doesn't really work out and he then gets a job at um the newark airport you know and he's kind of like studying kind of graduate texts you know while he's like throwing bags on it And, and so he's like the years are getting on and he has this group of high school friends and you know, he he'd kind of supported himself through Yale selling weed because mm-hmm. uh, he did, he only got an academic scholarship. He had to pay for the other stuff or pay for all his spending money. Yeah, um, and uh, he gets murdered at the age of twenty eight um, in Newark, and uh, arguably a genius uh, in terms of his intellectual capability, and yet. Um, you know, the big story, the big takeaway from that book is, you know, culture matters. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same about Aaron Hernandez, you know, culture matters. Um, by virtue of just who his friends were, you know, uh, I know it's, it's, I'm sounding very, I can't believe my, my 16 year old self doesn't want to <laughs> believe what I'm saying right now. 
you know, oh, yo, hey, <clears throat> these guys are fine just because yeah. they came from a rough place. Uh, but now I realize, yeah, I think I, I think I realized that I, how much uh, it, mat- it mattered a lot more than I thought it did at the time, and um, um, and I, I, it sounds the same with Aaron Hernandez. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a fair take? Sure. Yeah, I think so. I think to throw a little bit of like free will into it, like my. I my neighborhood wasn't rough, but like some of my friends could be rough. Yeah. I remember one time this kid uh, messed with me, and I told my my good pals who were a year or grade ahead of me. And I showed up the next day at school, and I just saw my friend Josh shoving this kid into a wall so hard, and I was like, "Well, that's taken care of." That's <laughs> <laughs> just the best feeling. Like, yeah, don't, you don't know who my friends are. <laughs> um, with Aaron Hernandez, so. I haven't even talked about like what you study, how'd you get into true crime, oh. you know, how how you guys like, you know, are you are you put on a topic and told to like go investigate and find it and or yeah, um, usually when there's an idea for a show and you you go about looking for cases usually that kind of fit into that. So there's a lot of you know a lot of vetting, a lot of research that goes into months and months of research that goes into looking for the cases. But it's, you know, it's anybody who's kind of read a, any screenplay book, it's it's the same exact thing. You're just, you know, you're, you're, you're retrofitting, uh, you know, <laughs> you're retrofitting a mini movie uh, into a news article and seeing if it'll work. And, um, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the concept may be. Um, for example, I'm working on something right now where it's um, family members who help solve a case and so you really have to find like active family members and um which is very hard to find you can't and very hard to find when the cops are not um completely screwing up Mm -hmm. um so you you basically have to find a a situation which everybody looks good so um yeah you it's a lot of going through endless archives i mean and, and that's i think speaks for itself um as for me i you know, I've been in the kind of feeding at the bottom of the Hollywood food chain for um, 10 or 15 years. And um, a friend got me a, a job a few years ago with True Crime. And um, and that's what I've been doing. I, uh, it may be disappointing, but I never like set out to do it. But um, I'm enjoying it while I'm doing it. Um, um, and there are some people who are like, they feel it in their in their bones, uh, and they're like it's part of their DNA. They yeah. like, and you know who knows maybe uh, maybe I'll become a person like that. But I think for right now, I th- what has interested me about the genre is that it has a really strong kind of literary tradition, and um, there's a certain type of writing that kind of elevates the events in a way. Um, and that if you're, you know, as you're trying to kind of pitch and prepare these stories, um, you're able to use that type of language. You're able to kind of, you know, tap into a long line of really kind of great writers, um, who are, um, yeah, who have been kind of churning out this kind of stuff for, you know, the last 70 or 80 years, you know? to Sheila Hammett all the way down, you know, all the way up, you know, to... Oh, wait, the, Truman Capote is a big famous, like, kind of... Was that an entry point, or is that well into this already existing? Well, when I think of 
I mean, for me, if you like, I kind of put the beginnings in kind of like the 30s, and uh, you know, you're looking at things like the Maltese Falcon, all of these kind of all of these kind of crime uh, pulp novelists, mm-hmm. and there's an element of pulp and and what we're still doing now, and it's migrated to the television screen. However, there's something exciting about that as well, and something so easily understandable that it's it can be fun to play with those elements. And um, you know, Truman Capote, of course, he wrote in in, in True Blood, in Cold Blood. Uh, I have never read that book, um, and you know, a very a big departure from breakfast at Tiffany's, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, there's like, you know, the, from John Grisham to any of these other, uh, any of the myriad scores of others who are out there that, um, write about this. There's a huge following of people who read this, still read it. And I feel like true crime on television is a, it's a cousin. I feel like it's maybe a little less, a less forgiving cousin. I feel like the books, oftentimes you're allowed a little bit more ambiguity. Um, you're allowed a little bit more uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got much more time. I would say what an average book would 10 hours, 12 hours of reading to get through that. Whereas we have 42 minutes. So, um, and which, I mean, what do you, can you say like what you're producing currently or what, when you say 42 minutes, what do you, like which network? Yeah, which it's uh, for investigation discovery. Um, mm. It's called Extreme Measures. Okay. You can check out the first season on online. Um, and yeah, so th- we're doing the second season now and um, I just, and you know, investigation discovery is this kind of like juggernaut of um, discovery networks. I mean, they produce over 600 hours this is a few years ago 600 hours of true crime every year but that's a lot of tv mm. um uh compared to, compared to some of these other networks that maybe do oh, 20 or 40 or six like 600 hours i mean and i think <laughs> yeah. that like it and i think everybody's seeing this in terms of on netflix and making of the murderer and all these uh big long uh, documentary series on this stuff yeah it's like it's addictive. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think that that has been the fun part of the last couple of years is kind of seeing how you can create something that is so compelling and so addictive that somebody just like can't step away yeah, and <laughs> like let their life pass by. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. One more. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, um, there, but that's, that's my, my, my story on that. Let me pose you this question. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Dave Maggett, all these things uh, correlate with sports somehow, but Dave Maggett was a, I liked him as a player, little little guy with giant legs, like 5'7", um, punt returner, shifty little quick guy, like in the probably 90s, played for the Giants and the Patriots multiple times, like arrested and charged with some sort of sexual assault, kept skating away with it because he had money and could like 
get out of it. You know, uh, I'm sure you guys see this all the time that a lot of times women don't go to, to the police right away. You know, rape kits, etc. Like they're not. It's not like every rape has all the necessary. Thing. And sometimes he was charged by like um, prostitutes and things like that. So he keeps getting away with it for a long time and is now serving 30 plus years because he raped a woman who was gay, had never been with a man, went right to the cops. He had a signature move similar to Roethlisberger where he would pin women's arm up under their back. Um, and so more and more women giving testimony, like he did this, it was case closed, like instantly convicted 30 years. Um, then this guy, Darren Sharper, not so long ago, he was on the, I think the 2007 saints team, attractive dude, millionaire, good shape, obviously youngish guy. I think at the time of these crimes, he's like in his mid to late thirties and he in California, Arizona, I think also Louisiana, uh, drugging women in hotel rooms, raping them. And then now the most recent one, this guy, Kella Winslow, whose dad is in the Hall of Fame as a tight end. He played tight end. Um, again, millionaire, good shape, attractive dude. Uh, his, the, his crimes are the most bizarre. In a Walmart parking lot, masturbating while people are like in his car. Um, breaking into a woman's home was like 80 years old and assaulting her or just like inappropriately groping. Same thing with like a 58 year old woman, maybe someone in her sixties, bizarre crimes, like sexual assault on like in, you know, rundown neighborhoods where he's just breaking into homes, things where you would think like someone with millions of dollars who played in the NFL wouldn't necessarily need to or want to. That's one part of it. Also weird behavior for anyone just weird even if you're a meth person who grew up in those weird mm. neighborhoods to just walk in like oh, grabby boobs mm. uh bizarre bizarre behavior and and the kellen winslow case still ongoing like hasn't gone to trial yet is that something that's juicy enough where people are getting on on board right away and want to track it is there something there to like maybe the cte thing with the nfl is imp- imp- impacting this in some way What what's there I mean, good question. Sounds like a 30 for 30 for me. Uh, But it's, you know, there are a lot of different varieties of this stuff. And um, I think that there is a show for every, every variety. I think that it really depends on, it depends on who you're producing it for. Is there something there? Uh, Probably. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think here on it's like we're basically talking about millionaire rapists athlete rapist right. athlete rapists and like why they're doing that i mean i i mean hot button topic um and somebody should do it um i think it needs the right person it's probably i don't know maybe it's a woman maybe it's um maybe it's one of those guys themselves um but yeah i mean i think that I think that what's hard sometimes, though, in true crime is that oftentimes it is, uh, if, if violence seems, or whatever the crime is, it seems so random, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to, it's, it's hard to build a story around it. And so you've got a... a so when you when you talk about like a book or building a story, you need there to be like what like sort of a conclusion. Well, not only do you need a conclusion, usually an, adju- an adjudicated verdict, but you also need um, understandable relationships to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, the kind of stock and trade of these 
you know, the true crime on television is that, you know, it's like, it's a normal woman, you know, just like you and me. She lived in, you know, Cleveland and mm-hmm. uh, right. she had a kid, you know, and it's yeah. like, okay, she's just like me. And so I think that that relatability or, you know, there were just a few kids, you know, I think the anonymous nature uh, of these people and their common, you know, non-celebrity personalities and personas is is a different thing than like celebrities who do crimes. (laughs) Uh, Because like the OJ crime, like the OJ crime wasn't simply about... um, a jealous man, you know, uh, it's about race in America. Right. And so I think that's the trial was the crime itself was not. Well, I disagree with you on that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that part of that ESPN, uh, documentary where he's like, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Yeah. Okay. So this guy is so successful, so handsome, so funny, so intelligent that, his ego and his personality um, cancel out any kind of racial distinction. That was what was going on in his mind. Um, that, to me, I, I mean, from top to bottom, uh, it was about race. And his, the way he lived his life was about race. Oh, that and, I agree and, and with. So, that, and so, like, he surrounded himself in Brentwood with, you know, like, he was, all the photos with him with the, all the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies are all old white guys, and he's yeah. the only dude there. Like, I'm, I'm just like you guys. We play golf. We have mansions. We're the same. And then once trouble starts rolling around, they're nowhere to be found. They just right. ditch him. So, to me, the, to me, the trial was about the boogeyman of racial stereotypes in this country. The man himself was about what it is like to try to be black and successful in America. And like, can you be culturally black and be successful? You Mm -hmm. know? Um, But what I meant is like, none of that is when you're deciding to really aggressively beat your wife that's less so about like, oh, these stresses from being a a black man in this world. I think it's just, if there is free will, it's you making terrible decisions regardless of the races involved. I understand your point. I, you know, the millions of decisions that led to that point um, and whatever that ultimatum was, I wasn't aware of that and why he said that. Um, but his relationship of wanting to have this trophy wife and not wanting her to be with anybody else. Yeah, he met her when he was 30 and she was 17 yeah. working in a cafe. Like, he just groomed her. At one point in the book, she was just like, I don't even know who I am. I've only been OJ's person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, to me, it, it, it all, I... I it all blends together. There's no way to separate one from the other. And so when we talk about guys raping, you know, celebrity athletes raping women, I'm like, yeah, I mean, for me, to me, it, it seems like a phenomenon of, of success and an inability to actually have any kind of room for development. 
And yeah, a symptom of what it's like to be put on a, whatever it is, a treadmill, a, the, the, a professional sports athlete treadmill of success and performance and um well, maybe it goes back to that privilege. thing about yeah pri- like the privilege comes along with a lot you know maybe a lot of hard work and a lot of tribulation along the way but winning you know you yeah. you're you win and then so getting what you want you want to win you get what you want you are used to getting what you want and now there's this woman that maybe doesn't want to give you what you want. Mm-hmm. I'll show you. I'll, I'm a winner. I'll yeah. show you. I. It doesn't seem that far-fetched that maybe that was... So then the, if that becomes the story and the narrative, and now you're... I, I just, I'm so curious Like if this were a nugget of like, who's covering this? Who has the rights to that? I mean, anybody, anybody could do it. I mean, it takes a lot of time and effort to put something like that together. And, and I think it really... I mean, it, it bears some serious consideration on on how it's presented. I think that, you know, what's like, how would you end it? How would you end that series? Like, what what is what is the bigger story? Like, I guess that's what I don't know. I don't yeah. know enough about the topic in order to say this would be interesting because of this reason or that reason. So I want to catch it from him. Maybe loosely touch on Roethlisberger. Touch on. Darren Sharper, try to get some jailhouse interviews with both of them, ideally, and then really pick it up at Kellen Winslow going to trial mm-hmm. and try to, you know, his dad being a, a famous person, famous football player talking about where there's signs when he was a kid, him talking about childhood things. Obviously, he's going to be, oh, I didn't do this. This is crazy. This is all a frame up. This is, but they have so much evidence. And so, you know, he was almost instantly, um, uh, not given I, I don't think he was given a bond or any bail like you're in prison and we think you did this and you're not going to be able to like be out until the trial you're in prison um i, I want to see like what his mental state is and i want to ideally hear from some of the women uh but more than that his teammates people around him what, what, what behaviors were weird starting to see like where was this transition where's this turn is this something we could have prevented as a society as coaches as mentors teachers people like that teammates it doesn't the more you talk about it the less it sounds like a true crime documentary or a crime documentary because okay. i don't know what the suspense is the suspense i don't, is I don't know what gu- the mystery is <laughs> yeah there's not gonna be like uh he's going to be found guilty and he's going to be locked up for x amount of time yeah you're right there's not a lot of like boy i hope either yeah you need a character you need a protagonist like i like this guy and i hope he's found innocent well that's not gonna happen or are you going to see someone like, I hate this guy. I mean, unless you're going back and forth on it. Did he do it or did he not do it? Is it credible? that I mean, but it doesn't it sound like he did it uh-huh. in, in a very serious way. And I think that, I guess I was surprised that like making of a murderer was able to kind of generate nine or 10 hours, whatever it was on, did this guy do it or did he not do it? Did this yeah. kid do it? Did he not do it? And they kind of kept going back and forth, like across that question. Same thing with serial. Um, but you're... You know, ideally, you're having other viable suspects in order to make it. Yeah, and that's really and it, really at the end of it all, it's less about death and it's more about the puzzle. It's like, can you pick out? It's like three card money. Mm-hmm. It's like, which one of you fuckers did it? <laughs> it's I so weird it's, to think it's such a salacious thing. Like, all right, we got this story. We know the truth. We're going to tell it in a way that keeps people clicking. Next, watch next episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean. What are we as 
any storyteller uh, other than somebody who plays on emotions, right? That's your only currency you have, right? Yeah. But is it, does that, I, we, we, I've, I've already taken up so much of your time. Would you be interested in uh, wrapping it up in some bonus time? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's, let's wrap it up on some bonus time. Sorry to leave you hanging like that and with that juicy bonus material hanging out there. But every now and again, we just uh, lose track of time a little bit. And so that that remaining 15 minutes or so is only available to the Patreon people. I apologize for doing that. I don't mean to bait and switch. Uh, but every now and again, that's going to happen. And um, hopefully the, the the two free hours were well worth it. And you enjoyed that. And... I did. I thought Tim's really fascinating dude. Nice to have... You never know when these conversations are going to go. Um, come in, talk about true crime, and it ends up being more about um, a number of other things, culture and ethics and everything you heard. Anyway, thanks again to Andy Kress for the beer. Should play some Krestovsky... Ooh, said that wrong. Krestovsky to end the show. Um, but I'm not going to this time. I apologize, Andy. We'll play more of your music in the future. A whole dose of it in uh, 2019. But this song is was recommended by Ryan McWilliams, who uh, saw the Junk Show recently. Good to see him. He comes fairly frequently. He's um, a musician living here in Los Angeles, just getting out, getting started in the world. Just uh, got out of school at USC. And uh, he's done some stuff for the Junk Show with the 16-second story year-end compilation. I like his ear. I mean, how again, he'll send me some music like, hey, man, really, really enjoying this. Let me know what you think. I really like this album. It's called Parts Department from a band called Cardioid. This song is called The Night. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. I'm hearing birds from 